Today we continue moving through the book of Philippians verse by verse and our passage that we have selected is found in chapter 3 verses 17 and 21. It says this, a little bit of context for anybody who might be new. This letter is a New Testament letter that's been inspired by the Holy Spirit written through the hand of a man named Paul. He's sitting in a prison cell as he writes to a church that he planted 10 years prior and he shares powerful revelation about who God is and how we respond to what he's done in us and for us. Okay, so he writes this. This is part of the letter. Brothers, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and the glory and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await our savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. What a set of verses, huh? Let's pray and then I'll preach. Jesus, we love you. Uh, we've already sensed your nearness. We've sensed your presence. God, I pray through the power of your spirit, you would till the soil of every heart in the room. Uh, let it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your truth, the seed of your word. Let it take root in our hearts. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't just want to hear your word. We want to live it out. You tell us if we just hear this thing, but we don't do it, then we're deceiving ourselves. So help us to live transformed by the power of your spirit. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of you know, maybe some of you don't, uh, I enjoy participating in CrossFit. Uh, many of us in this church, we attend our local gym. The owners of the local CrossFit gym attend our church. They took it over about a year ago and they've done an amazing job providing a space in our community for people to come, build relationships, be their healthiest self and a place where some of us can try and beat our friends in the workouts, okay? Uh, don't know if that's everyone's mentality. That's definitely mine. Uh, a lot of you know, my sister Jess was a professional CrossFitter for a long time. CrossFit is, uh, it's, it's like uh, training. It's like gymnastics, weightlifting, and all types of crazy stuff all mixed into one uh, jambalaya, okay? And so my sister was, uh, I mean, competed with the best in the world, was a professional CrossFitter, got paid to do it, made a living off of it. And um, so she recently took a year off. She got married. She had a baby, and as of recent, uh, we've started kind of competing with each other a little bit. And so CrossFit, they, they prescribe a workout and then they have a set weight for guys to use and a set weight for girls to use relative to the average strength of a female, average strength of a male or whatever. And so uh, I've been challenging my sister, thinking, man, I've been working hard. I've been eating good. I've been trying to get in shape. I think I'm finally at a place where I can beat her. Keep in mind, you know, she's a year. She's postpartum right now. And so if I've ever had a shot, this is it, fellas. You know what I mean? And so I'm no dummy. This is all strategic. And she's still beating me. So <clears throat> she always will. It's hard living in the shadows. 
Regardless, I enjoy it, okay? I, I, I think it's fun. Uh, this week they have semifinals for CrossFit, you know, wor- worldwide. And so that's kind of like the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl, which is the CrossFit games where they take all the fittest people in the world. They compete against each other in one uh, major competition. And so, uh, yeah, uh, but each year what they do, you know, my, you can imagine how fit these people are because my sister who is literally taken off, she's a year removed, she's postpartum. Uh, she's still beating me in workouts, okay? And, and so, and I feel like I've actually been putting in the work to be somewhat fit and it's still not enough. So uh, every year after the CrossFit game, sort of the Super Bowl, they create a documentary where they have people follow around the, follow around the athletes and ask them questions and uh, talk about their experiences with the workouts. What was the most difficult part? How are you feeling going into this one? How do you feel about this prescribed workout and all of that? And so there's a, one of the fittest CrossFit athletes to ever exist, her name's Tia. And in 2016, there's the documentary they made after the 2016 CrossFit games. I thought it was so interesting to get an up close and personal interaction with her through this documentary because uh, the year prior, 2015, she got second place and so like was almost the fittest in the world. And now this year leading up, she's competed in weightlifting at the Olympics and she's going to the CrossFit Games to compete again. And so, but you'll notice as, as it goes through the documentary that she actually lacks confidence. It's crazy. It's mind boggling to me. Now I think she's grown. She's won a lot more since then, but this was 2016. They had just announced one of the workouts and she responds, yeah, I'm probably going to be absolutely garbage at this workout and, and be last in my heat, but it'll be all right. And it's like, Tia, no, you won't. Okay. No, you won't. You're going to win because you're really, really fit. Uh, There's another part in the documentary where they ask her, they've just talked about how she's competed in the Olympics and now she's going back to the CrossFit Games. Keep in mind, she got second the year before, which is like, you have to be so fit to be that competitive. And they point blank ask her, do you think you can win the CrossFit Games? And she's like, I don't know. It's like, you absolutely can. Like, what do you mean? A truthful statement would have sounded like, I'm going to do my best on this workout and I think that I will do well. You know, uh, an honest answer to the question about winning the CrossFit Games for Tia would have been like, I think I've trained and prepared well enough to put myself in position to win. What I love about Paul's words in this letter is Paul has discovered that like arrogance and pride, insecurities or false humility aren't beneficial to the kingdom of God. Paul stated very clearly, and we covered this last week. He goes, I'm not perfect. I don't don't claim to be. I'm still in progress, but I am straining forward into the call, but I'm putting in the work to be a good Christ follower. I am making every effort to become, to fulfill all that he's empowering and calling me to be. I ain't perfect, but I'm trying real hard. Paul is no problem admitting that he's still in progress. 
but he also doesn't let that hinder, he doesn't let the fact that he's not perfect hinder the fact that the calling remains to go and make disciples. The job still exists. And this calling is on my life and it's on your life as well. And, and, and so I just find it funny that uh, people will tell you, you need to be more confident. You need to quit talking down on yourself. Be nice to yourself. And then it's like the minutes that we see someone demonstrate a healthy confidence, we're like, oh my gosh, you are so arrogant, right? There's no in between. It's like, are we supposed to, are we supposed to be confident or are we not? Here's what I see to be true about Paul as we engage with his letter to the Philippians. Paul recognizes this. If we never get to a place where we're willing to be the ones to demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus, we will in turn never make disciples. So some of us might read Paul's words, imitate me as I follow Jesus and say, how could you? You're so arrogant. Why would you say that? Wow, you, you gotta have some cojones on you to say that or whatever it is. Is that appropriate for church? I don't know. But, <laughs> We could say, wow, 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 you're arrogant. How could you do that? Well, how are we going to make disciples? If we never get to a place where we're willing to say, hey, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out, but follow me while I follow Jesus. Then how is the church going to make disciples? No demonstration means no discipleship. So we need a church of men and women that are willing to get to the place following Jesus, saying, hey, I'm doing the very best I can. Come and follow me. I'll show you how. We got to. If the calling is to go and make disciples, this has to exist. So Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Follow me or find another uh, disciple of Jesus who's walking out this thing for real and follow them. Because we need to go and make disciples and be disciples. The church needs this. We have to move past the false humility and the insecurities and the uncertainties of, I don't know enough. Uh, I'm not good enough. I don't think I'm ready for that. I'm still growing. Some of us just need to seek Jesus and teach others to seek Jesus. And I think we've overcomplicated it. Some of us just need to train in the spirit and then demonstrate how we train to others. This is what Paul exhorted Timothy. Timothy, young young leader, going out to lead the church. And he wrote this in his first letter to Timothy. He said, physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. Some of us just need to get to a place where every day we're training. Some days are better than others, but we're growing strong in the spirit. And then we meet somebody and you say, you know what? You can't bench 225 in the spirit, but you're going to train with me and we're going to get you there. How many of us been following Jesus for maybe close to our whole life. How many of us been attending church for years? You still won't lead a table group. 
You still won't disciple your family. You still won't lead your family. You still won't pray over your kids. You still won't lay your hands on your wife and say, baby, baby we're going to make it through this. We're going to pray through this. We're gonna, we, we still won't lead. We, we still won't disciple a coworker. What are we waiting on? We, we need some Christians. We need some men and women of God who are willing to say, follow me as I follow. I don't get it all perfect. I cuss sometimes. Don't tell anybody. But we're, we're doing our best. We're fo- Come on. I'm not perfect. I'm still, in, uh, I'm still in progression. But I'm following Jesus. Follow him with me. I'll show you how to do it. Paul's devoted his life to following Christ, to fulfilling the call Christ has placed on his life. And he's not going to pretend that he hasn't. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm following Jesus. I, you know, I'm looking at Tia like, Tia, I just want to be like, would you shut up? Would you shut up? Yeah, you got a chance to win. Yeah, you're probably going to win the workout. We all know it. Just say it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm following Jesus. Come and follow him with me. Follow him like I follow him. He also mentions watch and follow others who demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus. Some of y'all, you you need to start, you you need to trust your training and you need to teach. Others, you need to start training and be taught. In reality, we all need to find ourselves somewhere in the middle where where we're trusting our training and we're teaching some, but we have others who are ahead of us and we're still training and we're being taught. Amen. If, If you find yourself there, that's a healthy place to live and that's where we need to remain for the entirety of our life. Um, So uh, all with the goal of of growing in our love and devotion of Jesus, more fully fulfilling the calling of Christ on our lives. We want to talk about straining forward into the call of Christ in our lives. That's partly how we're going to do it. Amen. Paul then switches gears and he clarifies that in the same way, there are people who exist in the body that are worth following that you should follow. He also clarifies, there is also people we don't follow. There is also lives we uh, do not want to, uh, or don't demonstrate what it is to follow Jesus. And so let me clear some of that up for you. There's a lot going on in the culture of the day here as he writes to Philippi. We've talked a lot about the Judaizers who say, you gotta be circumcised to be saved. Paul's like, no, you don't. No, no, this is, this is just trust in Jesus. They've made salvation. They've made uh, uh, eternal reward, something that you achieve by performance. And Paul is like, would you stop? That is not the gospel. Then you have like these uh, Gentile libertines who are like, it doesn't matter how you live. Uh, you know, it's mixed with Gnosticism and there's no sense of conviction or there's nothing you can just, it doesn't matter. There's a total abuse of God's grace if, if that's even there. And so Paul's just writing. We don't even know exactly who he is addressing, but, but he says this and in, in, in 318, he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. And so I was reading, as I was studying this week, I read some things. It's like, it's not very often you see Paul in tears. And we're talking about a guy who was whipped, beaten, knocked out, dragged out of a city, shipwrecked, persecuted. And they're like, but what makes him cry? is like how, how deep is his conviction is those who are like not like willing to follow Jesus or, or who are contaminating the message of the gospel. It's interesting. He goes, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
he goes on to talk about what, that, what their conduct might look like in verse 19. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame. Things they should be ashamed about. They glory in them. They celebrate. They laugh about it. It's, it's no big deal with minds set on earthly things. And so as I read this set of verses, I just think, let this not be said of us, of Destiny Church. Instead, as we've discussed in the, in the past, we need to cultivate this, uh, this mindset of we are striving not to be saved. I, I mean, obviously we want to be saved. Like that's 100%. But we trust Jesus as the only one who can do that for us. But even as we consider the call of Christ on our lives and growing in our intimacy towards him and, and growing in our knowledge of him as we strain forward into the call of Christ on our lives. Let's remind ourselves that that's our goal. Not so we fit the standard, not so we can work our way there, but so we can grow in our relationship with the Lord. This is why we value training and godliness because we know it's God's will for our life. To train in godliness is, is God's will for our life. There, there's blessing and there's reward in it. There's intimacy with Jesus in it. Paul goes on to further explain why this conduct isn't and shouldn't be the conduct of the, uh, of the church. But before um, I, I even, or, or he goes on further to explain what the conduct should be. Uh, but before I move into that, I want us to consider you have Philippi, uh, which is a Roman colony, but it's nowhere close to Rome. Rome's a superpower of the day. So Philippi helped Rome at one point in battle. And so Rome makes Philippi one of their allies. They grant the people of Philippi Roman citizenship, even though they're a Macedonian region. This is a big deal. This is like, so now they have certain privileges. Uh, they, they get to partake in certain things that even their surrounding neighbors wouldn't, right? That's a big deal. Something to hang your hat on like, yeah, huh. We got Roman citizenship, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, for real. And so he's writing this word citizenship carries weight. Citizenship is like, man, that, that defines culture and conduct. Citizenship, that they understand the concept of citizenship. And, and Paul's already made mention to some of this in Philippians 1.27. He said, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news, right? And so he, he's already kind of playing on this whole idea because he knows that they, something unique to the whole uh, Philippian region or, or to Philippi is that they have this Roman citizenship. And so he's using this earthly thing to sort of tie in some of these heavenly principles and to make it clear. And so he circles back to this idea in, at the very end of chapter three, when he writes in verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. I don't care if you're a Roman. I don't care if you're a Macedonian. Uh, whatever that, all, whatever citizenship, earthly citizenship might exist in your life, it is all secondary to our first and foremost citizenship to the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. And from it, we await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I want to reemphasize all that this word citizenship recognizes. A citizen is a person who legally belongs to a country, has the rights and the protection of that country. Citizens adopt the culture and the practices of the nation or the kingdom they belong to. So Paul's saying, hey, I know you have an earthly citizenship, but our citizenship is to the kingdom of heaven. Our citizenship, although it's unseen in our lives, there'll be evidence that we belong to it. How do we walk? So how do we do it? How do we walk? Paul's saying, live as citizens of heaven. Remember where your citizenship exists. Well, what does that look like? Uh, I can't see heaven. I can't touch it. I can't drive my car there. I can't ride my bike there. Uh, How do I get there? How do we walk as citizens of heaven? Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. What is faith? Faith is the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Our hope is heaven. Our hope is eternity with Jesus. But that's not just something we hope for. That's something, although we can't see, touch, or feel, we know it's real. So faith is, shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we can't see, okay? Heaven, through faith in Christ, heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit, inhabits our heart, man. Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. And as we submit to the spirit, as we remain sensitive to the leading of the spirit, as we continue to trust Jesus and strain forward into the call of Christ, empowered by his Holy Spirit, although you can't see heaven, you can't see the Holy Spirit, if you look at my life, there's gonna be evidence that it exists. There's gonna be fruit. Evidence of things unseen, right? So because the culture of the kingdom is vastly different than the culture of this world, the core values of the kingdom are far different than the core values of the world. Uh, It's going to, you're going to be able to tell. You'll be able to see. As you interact with citizens of heaven, there might be a sense that, man, something's different. Something's different. In a world where the darkness runs thick, it will be hard for the world to not notice the light of Christ shining through our lives as we seek out Jesus, as we follow him well, right? We know the world isn't our destination. It's not our home. So we're not gonna live with a greater emphasis on worldly citizenship than we are our identity as citizens of heaven. That's what takes priority in our lives. Paul wrote this to his second letter to the Corinthians. He said, we know that God who raised Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. They won't last long. Come on, is life hard? Are you discouraged? Are you walking through a difficult season? Do you have unanswered questions? Are are you wrestling with something? Paul reminds, hey, let's fix our perspective that this is temporary, that this is just something we're we're aliens here, y'all. We are just passing through this world and and, and all as believers, our hope, everything's gonna be perfected. And so we can't get so distracted. We can't be so wavering by the temporary situations that we've been placed in. He's saying, listen, for our present troubles are small and they won't last long. 
yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. God's going to use, as you remain faithful through the difficult times in your life, God's going to use them for your good. If you're walking through something, this ain't in my notes, you're walking through something that's hard. You've been discouraged, wrestling with doubt, questioning God. As you remain faithful through these things, there's heavenly reward you'd never imagine. God's purifying your faith in greater ways. And so we have to walk into the opposition of our life. Like this is a beautiful opportunity to, 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 to be reminded of who I am in Christ Jesus, to trust him when, when even it's hard and believe him to reveal himself in greater ways because of it. So we don't look at troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen because that's what faith is. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul writes, but our citizenship is in heaven. Worship team, you can come. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is one of those moments where I love going verse by verse because I think it allows for conversations that we may not always have. And so uh, there's pieces of God's plan to our life that are exciting and, and knowing them, I think increases our expectation. It adds to the anticipation for his return and for life after this earth. Because a lot of us, uh, we're gonna lose people we love to sickness, to ailments uh, and tragic events. Us ourselves will be lost to the decaying, the depraved earth that we live in. Death is appointed unto man. You and I are gonna die and the people we love are gonna die and it's gonna be something that we have to journey through and we have to walk through. But there is hope in Jesus that through his power, them and us, if we're believers, we will experience a resurrection like that of Christ. First John says this, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. We do not know, but we do not know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. John writes, when Christ returns, we're gonna receive new bodies. We're not even entirely sure what they'll look like, but they'll be good. But we do know that we will be like him. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, remember how he's popping through walls, having conversations, showing Thomas, and he's talking about these resurrected bodies in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, this isn't, this isn't in the slides, Dan. I added it this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 42. It says, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And this is what Paul is making reference to, that this is temporary. Church, let's live as citizens of heaven 
not so gripped by the troubles of this world, not so distracted by the temporary, but with an expectation for all that is ahead. He is our hope. A lot's gonna happen in this life, good, bad, ups, downs, but one thing where we must remain is eyes fixed on Jesus, straining forward towards him, helping others get there as well. Amen?